Abed and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well. Let's see. I've got an email here from Gilbert Soares, one of my backers, and he says, I hope you're doing well as well. Thanks. He talks about my episode I did on subclasses. He says, we did, not, you, we did not use the monk class out of the 1E player's handbook. We used the monk class from Dragon Magazine number. He put 35, but he meant 53, and he gave me a link to Dragon number 53. And I looked at it, and it's a good, it's a good article. He also put, P.S. aside, also from the same Dragon Magazine, we use the Oracle NPC as a player character class with no problems. And P.P.S., thank goodness San Diego is far away from the earthquakes and growing fault lines above Los Angeles. Yes, I was just recently made aware of that. As a Californian, my, my thoughts go out to them. And I hope nothing really, really bad has happened. But thank you for the email, Gilbert. And... That those articles are a good article. I hear I've never played a one monk ever, and I understand they're a bit difficult to play. The only time I started playing a monk was in Five E, where Oriental Adventures. I played a monk. A friend of mine was running a Five E campaign, and it was it was a powerhouse. But since then, I've looked through different editions on monks. And 5e is probably the best you're going to get, although I can't remember, was it the, uh, I think Labyrinth Lord, Labyrinth Lord of Swords and Wizardry, I can't remember which one, had a really good monk write-up. And the mystic write-up in the D&D Rule Cyclopedia cannot be overlooked because I think it's a great, I think it's a great write-up. So that's my two cents on that. <laughs> Thanks, Gilbert. So, another another thing I want to talk about is bad guys. They always emphasize you play bad guys as smart or as dumb as they're supposed to be. Well, that's a given for me. It took me a while to catch on to that, though. See, this is why I like earlier editions of, of D&D and other games like it. Because it's easier to do that for me. I look at the stat block. When, when we... When we played through Curse of Strahd in 5e, the, Carlos, the DM, showed me the write-up for Strahd. And I was like, I could never keep up with that. I thought it started in 3rd edition because I remember it started getting bad. I didn't look at 4th edition because I didn't look at 4th edition. But 5th edition, it's like, all these, uh, what is this, uh, two actions, this action per round, legendary actions, da 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 It's like, that gives me a headache. It really does. I know I be- I've dealt with monsters with special abilities before. And I sort of kind of had to warm up to that kind of thing. Because for a while, well, first of all, they were getting their butts handed to them on a regular basis. So I finally, oh, a few years ago, finally decided to actually, but, and also the, the player characters got up to a level enough where I could actually get a knockdown, drag out fight out of them without either of them killing the monsters in one or two rounds or me killing them in one or two rounds. Of course, they do know the wisdom of running away, but still, sometimes you got to fight. So 
I make it a point now to look at the special abilities of certain monsters. Rank and file, I don't worry about it. I know what orcs can do. I know what goblins can do. I know what what I know what gnolls and bugbears can do, and you know that can. I'm talking about the special ones. You know the owl bears and the beholders and the even the giants sometimes, especially the dragons and of course the uh, lich. But I do make a point now of looking at the special abilities, and I find it easier to adjudicate in earlier edition, like Basic, or 1E, or 2E, because there's just not a whole, there's not as much bells and whistles as the current edition. Because I'm a simple guy, I just like some simplicity. But as far as like in in practice, in the game, I now do more with the monsters, I used to have something like a big old monster up there not get a lick in because I usually got lousy initiative or they would just fight, 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 fight. And if the, hey, look, he's got a paralyzation attack. Why don't you use that? I also favor, I also like monsters who have their special abilities built into attacks like a ghoul. Or, or a zombie or something like that, where they have that touch. If they hit you, you roll it, you are paralyzed, or you're not paralyzed if you don't make the save. That's kind of a passive way of doing that. But I'm always, now it's gotten me really to think outside the box, and you should too, because I know first, first-time first game masters are going to be a little intimidated by that stuff. That's why they stick with the goblinoids and such and the wild animals. I can understand that. But I've got an idea for a game come in fact I got a game idea for a game come up with a Minotaur. And they don't have very many special abilities, but they have a few. And especially if I'm dealing with say I'm dealing with goblins and orcs and things like that, they may have a shaman amongst them. Orcs may even have a half orc who's leading them who is smarter than the average orc. And knows how to plan things like ambushes and things like that. Uh, my my lich in the last astonishing swordsman game gave the players a run for their money at first, and but they they were a little bit too savvy. <laughs> I let them be a little bit too savvy, and they managed to find out where his phylactery is. So he didn't last very long in the final fight. But if I had to go back over again, I would have changed that. You know, they always say hindsight is twenty twenty. Boy, it sure is. But you got to take that hindsight and apply it to your next game. You do. you got to think about where you come up short. And monster special abilities are one of my bugaboos that I come up short that I've really, really worked on. Because it's, it's not a fair fight unless you make it a fair fight. Now... When they get up in levels and abilities, then you start looking at the characters in a different way. I mean, from the from the from the monster, the antagonist point of view, you got to look at them in a different way, saying, "Okay, they can do this now. They can do that now." Astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea. My God, if you got a berserker or somebody who goes berserk, you really got to pay attention to that. You've got to. You've got to be able to counter that somehow. 
And I mean, that's almost as detriment to the party as it is to the, the opponents, but that's, that's another story. In my, when I was writing Astonishing Swordsman, the mage, the magician, and the berserker came up with a routine of the mage had enlarge. So just after the berserker goes berserk, he enlarges him so he can do more damage. And that became a routine after a while. I couldn't counter it until like the last one, the last encounter. And it finally it finally came up to bite him in the butt because he also levitated him, tried to levitate him over. The lich was flying above the where the big monster was on a nightmare. And he was trying to let the guy fall. You know, he's trying to get him up there, but he missed. And he ended up falling flat on the ground. Boom. Big old earthquake or whatever. But they managed to take the lich out finally with the phylactery and such. But, you know, I, 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 it's like, okay, he swir- I rolled the horse, he swerves over here. And you miss. And he did. So there, there was a few more rolls in there somewhere. But the point is, he missed. He ended up flat on the ground. And it's hard to berserk when you're lying face down on the ground. But he managed. So, yeah, he took out his share of peoples. But you got to, you got to, you know, that's how you counter the player characters. You got to find out what their routines are so you can figure out what the monster's routine is going to be. Not that it's going to, I mean, the monster's going to have his own routine no matter who's fighting. But if you have a monster smart enough to analyze the situation saying, I got to change my tactics, change his tactics. Do it. You can only make your game better. So. I'm going to leave you with that advice right now. I'm going to go start my day. All right. So if you want to talk to me about this or anything, get a hold of me at oldmangrognard at gmail.com. That's old, O-L, not old. Oldmangrognard at gmail.com. Had a little trouble with that. And if you, or you can just drop me a voicemail on Anchor. That's even better. We are monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you can help support this program. And I thank you. Thank you to my supporters, Jonathan Oliver, Gilbert, Mark, and Juan Carlos. Mark C. Wallring's podcast, The Yawning Owlbear, is a great podcast. And I believe the uh, Dungeons and Delvers Red Book is still got a few hours to go. Maybe. I don't know. I think we're running to the end of that. But check it out at kickstarter.com. Okay, well, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Thank you.